Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shireko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shireko. On behalf of Rebuilding Your Life Radio and the Train Your Brain, Claim Your Power calls, welcome. Cameron Burton is here today to introduce us to his book, Pangea. Now, Pangea is a science fiction fantasy world that we're going to get right into. So please wave your hands to welcome Cameron Burton. Hello, Cameron. Welcome. Hello, Susan. Glad to be here. How are you today? Cameron, did you, how did you come to write a science fiction fantasy coming-of-age story that's set in the future? <laughs> well, it is a fairly rare combination, I agree. Um, but, you know, I've always been a science fiction uh, addict ever since I was a little kid. So, And one thing that I noticed growing up is that there weren't very many uh, child characters in science fiction, aside from maybe Boxy in Battlestar Galactica or Wesley Crusher in Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, aside from that, they weren't that common. So, you know, when I started working on this story, you know, I wanted the uh, the main protagonist to be a child to help it stand out a little more. Very interesting. Uh, is this your first book? It is the first one that I have released, yes. Okay, so do you have another career that that you do when you're not writing? Uh, not at the moment. I'm almost almost fully obs- obsessively focusing on my writing right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm fi- finishing up the, the second book in the Pangea series because this is the first book in a trilogy. So, Got it. Okay. So now did you, um, do you – were you married at some point in time? I was married to an outstanding woman. Her name was Chris, and uh, – there was a point where I had almost given up on getting Pangea out, but then we met and started dating and I told her about the stories and she asked if she could read them. So, you know, I gave her the older drafts and a week later she came to me and said, you have got to get these out. So I started working on them again and she was an invaluable help to me. Awesome. Awesome. So where, tell it, let's talk about, um, the book itself. Where is the story set? It is set on an Earth colony on another planet called Pangea, and it was called that because unlike Earth, its land masses never broke apart into multiple pieces after Earth. So I I called it Pangea after Earth's original supercontinent. Any Uh, plans in your series for the continents to break apart? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, no. The the planet is geologically stable, so I see no reason to break the continent, break it up into smaller continents. Okay, okay. So is this, now, is this a, is this a habited, inhabited planet of some sort? What is its, um, what's government like? What's the story there about, um, the people and the who rules who, and is it like Earth? It's similar to Earth, yes. Um, it has a 25-hour rotation, so, you know, that's an extra half hour every 12 hours 
for our regular cycle to deal with. But mm-hmm. um, and it had some, it has some native life forms, most of which are adapting to human settlement there. But none of them are intelligent like us. They're, it's all animals. Ah, okay. Is that, but there are people on it. Yes, it started off as a military outpost for for Earth, but after the planet itself was after the planet Earth was rendered uninhabitable in the final world war, uh, survivors from Earth settled there along with a few other Earth type planets. Oh, so there are several. Okay, and yes. they all were reached by space uh, space travel. Yes. Okay. Is it a soft and gentle society? Actually, for the most part, it's fairly similar to American government, but there are elements which have receded, you might say, uh, especially in terms of law and order. They've somewhat regressed back to like the 19th century. But uh, the interesting thing is it's not based on any kind of racial inequality. I wanted to steer clear of that in these stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. But what everyone is is fearing right now is the rise of another dict- insane dictator who tried to take over the earth. They're afraid of another one like her showing up. So they have taken extreme, and I do mean extreme, measures with law in order to prevent any such per- figure from rising from future generations. As such, when it comes to uh, young people on Pangea, it's it's not quite a police state, but it's pretty close. They're pretty harsh with them. Which Kids learn at a very young age to follow the rules. And that, to avoid severe punishment. So that brings us to your main character. Who is the star of this this story? All right. The main character is a 12-year-old boy. His name is Mark. And a few years prior... He was convicted on on an arson charge and sent out to the boys' prison, which uh, is, well, you think 19th century prison camp out in the middle of nowhere, and you're pretty close to what it, what it's like. It's pretty hellish. It's pretty awful. No, no sane person would want their kid to go there or even hear and- about it. And what, I mean, how do they, uh, you know, they're, obviously if you're so unhappy there, you're going to want to escape um, and, and get away from that, that horror. Um, That's does, right. Is that what he, he wants to do? Well, one of the ways they prevent them from trying to break out is by erasing their memories of their former lives, because if all they know is life in this prison, then they're not really going to try that hard to escape it if they don't think there's anything else available for them. But in Mark's case, the memory wipe was not 100% effective. And there's also the a strong, uh, I'm not sure how to put it, feeling, suspicion, inclination, what have you, uh, that he was, in fact, not guilty of the crimes he was charged with. And that, more than anything, has sustained his determination to hold on to his humanity in spite of all the dehumanization that they go through out there. 
And if it's so he does, where, how the he sto- does escape. Yes, that's how the story, how the book begins, is with his escape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now um, he he gets out. He goes mm-hmm. somewhere, and um, do you have, does he have any allies out in the in the community? Uh, there are friends of of his who were they were friends of his family who find Mark and take him in and protect him from the local police who are called law enforcers or enforcers for short. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, they uh, they take Mark in. They hide him from the enforcers. They begin teaching him about his past, what they remember of his past and things that he would need to know in order to get by in the normal world. But for someone um, who's been so isolated out in the middle of nowhere for so long, you know, this is obviously a pretty big journey to, for um, him to undertake. Cameron, yeah, Cameron, they, they must send forces out to follow up on his escape. They're a little different from, they're different from what, we would, you know, have here at this time, although in the 19th century, there's a similarity, I bet, but um, what what comes after him? Well, the enforcers are obviously uh, in charge of the pursuit, but they also have these uh, genetically engineered creatures. They were modified originally from German shepherds, but they are genetically enhanced stalker hounds. They're on the cover of the book, there are these black-furred creatures with shaggy manes and glowing red eyes. I wanted something that would be scary looking. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> scary. <laughs> so, so this is this is a major part of the book is to get him to escape, and then be, I gather from what you've said that what becomes important is to figure out whether he is indeed guilty or if there's somebody else uh, that should be charged for this. Oh, somebody else was charged. I'm sorry I forgot to mention that. Um, no, he was arrested with an accomplice who was guilty, and the accomplice was scared. So uh, I'm trying to think of a non-profane word to describe it. <laughs> um, he was so scared witless that he just blurted out Mark was in on it too. And they took his word for it. Oh, wow. That's terrible. Yeah. Yep. It is. And he never admitted it. He never. He was too scared to statement. tell. He was wow. too scared to tell the truth. That's really terrible. <laughs> it is. I, to be in that spot. Wow. So um, where is Pangea available? Uh, it is currently available on barnesandnoble.com, on Amazon, and uh, through my uh, publisher's website, iUniverse.com. Okay. And the audio book have... is also available on iUniverse.com. Oh, really? iUniverse.com? Yeah. Okay. Now, yeah, how I'm is working your... to get it onto Audible, but I haven't managed yet. Okay. I'm, I'm not that aware of the exact process. It's something I'm exploring for myself. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is um, – so there's a difference between having an audio book and having it on Audible, mm-hmm. which I didn't know. So that's something well, new to so, explore. It's so much – actually, what the, uh, the tricky part is the uh, the procedures with Audible to get it released. I'm 
I fully admit, I'm not a computer savvy guy. I know how to use them okay, but when it comes to the programming stuff, I'm afraid I'm woefully out of my element. So, you know, it's, it's the steps that you have to go through to release it on Audible that are right. giving me a little bit of trouble. So Okay, that makes sense. That's where I would been be hung up to as take, well, I'm sure. Yeah, I've been meaning to take a day to uh, try and get that done, but things keep coming up. So uh, how, has your, how, how have you been promoting the book? What kind of things have you been doing? Well, uh, I'm currently represented by Global Summit House, who've been uh, promoting it fairly aggressively with uh, with uh, magazine articles in the trade circula- circulations, literary magazines. Uh, I also did another interview on This Week in America with Rick Bratton. He was a really nice guy. I liked him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... You know what? A lot of it involves author author participation, and uh, I'm not rich. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, those airplane tickets and hotel rooms and things like that could get pricey over time. This, this is what true. is your what is your goal? Well, my my main goal is to hopefully tell a good story that would that might hopefully uh, educate a few people. Because I do, I do do a bit of social commentary in the books. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, but so, go ahead. What? Uh, where at, at this point? So you're doing, you're still doing that promotion, and you're working on book two at the same time. Yes, I just got the reviews back from my editor, or the initial reviews, I should say, and it does need a bit of tweaking, but mm-hmm. I'm. I'm hoping to get it out within the first half of next year. Okay. And you've already started book three? Uh, yeah, parts of it, yes. Okay. I do have the basic draft from older versions, but, you know, things change. Well, they, it does evolve, doesn't it? I mean, that is the writing process. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit I, about – yeah, go ahead. I mean, I take a look at how at like the original draft of what was book one, and you know, I look at the final version, and I'm like, "How is this? How did this evolve into this? I honestly can't <laughs> figure it out." <laughs> it took on but, a life of its own. Yeah, and you know that, and that's thanks to Chris because she was her help was so invaluable for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but unfortunately, but she's not here anymore for it. Okay. So um, that is that that's too bad because to yeah. have a writing partner or so at least a, a writing sounding board is so special. I do have that with some of uh, some friends that we had. Uh, I'm still close to them, though mm-hmm. I met them through her, but I'm still close to them. And they often serve as a writing soundboard for me. They're very oh, good wonderful. about it. Good, good. So tell me about book two. Book two, uh, wow. Um, well, it will invo- involve uh, Mark's escape from Pangea itself and take him to another planet in what's called the Earth Colony Federation. But the enforcers don't give up so easily, especially the head law enforcer. He is not go- willing to let anyone escape his authority, and he will follow Mark across space. Mm. Does he take the do- the dogs with him? <laughs> he takes one, yes. 
Ah, okay. <laughs> Although it obviously and, uh, has to be kept under heavy control because they're designed to be mean. Mm. They they sound as if they've been engineered to be mean. It reminds me of the Civil War and when they would go, or the plantation owners would go out after runaway slaves. That's actually a very good parallel. That's actually a very Mm -hmm. good parallel, and it is one that I intended. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it sounds exactly like that. You have mean men and who with guns and whips, and you have dogs that are that they follow their scent. Actually, the head, law, the head law enforcer does use a whip, actually. Mm. <laughs> so though, that's, you know, that's nasty. Whips are nasty. That's, that's pretty intense. Oh, yeah. uh, what about book three? Any, any hints as to what's going to happen in book three? I can say that most of the threads from books one and two will be resolved. Uh, mm-hmm. And certain people will get what's coming to them. Mm-hmm. There will be happiness, there will be tears, and justice, uh, but also laying down some of the threads for some of the ideas that I have for books four and five. Oh, so it's going to go beyond a three-book trilogy into yeah. a, a real franchise. Well, yeah, I do plan on doing at least six books in the series, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what is your, your, you say you talk about social justice or issues that come up. What, do you have a number one goal for these books, what they're going to communicate? Um, yeah, that certain social stigmas that have plagued society for centuries, I think, need to be left by the wayside, especially with when it comes to gender issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's, but it doesn't detract from how much fun the books are. No. It, it's a no. combination of education sort of intertwined with the adventure. That's right. The main focus is the, uh, is the story. But if people decide to pick up something out of it that they decide to use to make their, themselves better people, uh, I say go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any other goals for these? Um, you know, aside from the, the franchise itself? Well, this may sound a little egotistical, but uh, what part of my writing process is to envision it as if I'm watching a movie. So, you know, I'd love to be able to uh, see see the movie for real. Mm-hmm. Have you have you made, taken any steps to actually make, you know, make that happen? Actually, yes. I had a, a deal with Pearson Media Group, uh, little less than a year ago and we uh collaborated on a screenplay version of book one which is now finished and uh hopefully one of the studios they send it out to will be interested oh so you're you're waiting to hear what what it what happens with it yes that's nerve that's (laughs) (laughs) nerve-wracking Well, going going along with that, have you thought about what your dream cast would be? I have, actually. There are a number of characters whose uh, dream actors I could see. You know, like um, uh, like the se- the secondary villain, not the head law enforcer, but his second in command is 
mm-hmm. who's also on the book. You know, I could see either Josh Stewart or Walter Goggins uh, in that role, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a because uh, that's an important part of selling. You know, your budget, mm-hmm. <laughs> your cast. You know, that and you think beyond. Mm-hmm. One of my friends thought that Jason Statham would be great as the head law enforcer. He was the uh, the the lead in The Meg, uh, among other movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He also did a more recent one, but I keep forgetting the title. <laughs> Darn it. That makes it hard for you. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, I am. No, he was an outstanding yeah. actor, though. So. Yeah, yeah. I find IMDb is is really a good tool for this kind of thing because oh I remember that movie now what was it called and they you can look up the actor by name and see everything they've ever done which I just yeah I, I whoever came up with that which was a long time ago um, they had a they just had a brilliant concept and it's really you know played out well for absolutely. people absolutely absolutely there are some people I know who give short shrift to movies and TV, but you know what? Those things have become such a major part of our culture that I prefer not to pretend they don't exist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you also like Wikipedia? Occasionally. Occasionally. I'm a little, I'm a little more hesitant with that one because of how easy it is to put in uh, falsified information. Yes. Yes, it is. You have they have the ability. That's the whole nature of a wiki um, site is it can be altered and edited by other people who may or may not know the true facts. Which is you have to figure that out. Mm-hmm. So, do you have some other projects in mind? Some other what? Projects? Something oh. off <laughs> from these? Uh, something other than Pangea. Um, right. Wow. Um, well, there I have been uh, toying around with a uh, with a uh, a young young adult detective series, uh, kind of X Files ish, except it wouldn't be uh, Mulder and Scully. It'd be more like a local cop, normal guy, but somehow he keeps getting into cases that involve weird paranormal events. Oh, well, that would be fun. Yeah. That yeah. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I have, whenever somebody talks to me about a paranoia, a paranormal activity, my ears perk up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, really? Well, I've, always found it fasc- I've always found it a fascinating mm-hmm. phenomenon to, set, to, to mm-hmm. observe and study. Have you always been interested in space projects? Yeah, pretty, mu- pretty much uh, since I was out of diapers. <laughs> <laughs> Do you participate in fandom anywhere? Uh, yeah, actually. I uh, got involved with a group of, uh, of Star Trek fan filmmakers for a while in the, uh, in the early 2000s. Well, yeah, the first decade of this century, yeah. yeah I uh, contributed a few scripts. I even appeared in a couple of their uh, audio episodes. You know, it was a lot of fun to work that with them. That sounds like fun. Yeah, they actually do something. They don't just show up. They actually participate in creating something, which sounds yeah, like it, a lot of fun. And that was one of the things that I loved about it was the uh, the ingenuity and the resourcefulness of that group. I mean, you could tell it was low budget, but they did a lot w- 
with with very little uh, on hand. And that was one of the, the things that I found so impressive about them. If that makes sense. It does. It does. And they're and they're doing projects. They're, sometimes you have uh, fan gr- or not fan groups, but independent filmmakers that come together yeah. in order to support each other's work. You know, yes, and I do like that. Department. I do like that mm-hmm. kind of community. Yes. Mm-hmm. They can work. You know, they they really donate their time. Nobody's making a fortune on it, but no. they. It makes their projects viable that they can get them out. So it's yeah, I'm sure. And Star Trek fans group probably is um, similar. Even if they do, they plan to sell them, or they just want to make them. Uh, from in my experience, they just want to make them because mm-hmm. of the love for the franchise, and not mm-hmm. just Star Trek, but Star Wars as well. You wouldn't believe how many high quality Star Wars fan films I've seen. Cool. Very cool. Well, that's neat. Well, I'm, you know, I have some to that say, really add, including some that, in my personal opinion, really add to the story of the franchise. So, you know, whenever if I decide to do a Star Wars binge, I add, include those certain fan films in them just to add extra bits of flavor. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great. Well, Cameron, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I, I really appreciate your bringing Pangea to our attention. Um, it's it's got such a future ahead of it. You will be writing this for a long time. Uh, six, well, with luck. A six-book fr- franchise. Yes. You know, you could go a long way with that. Uh, and I want to thank our listeners as well. We've been speaking with Cameron Burton about his book, Pangea, which is a sci-fi adventure set in the future. So thank you again, Cameron. We appreciate you being here with us. Oh, I had a f- good time. Good. I'm glad you did. I always hope for that. <laughs> At the very least, have a good time. <laughs> All right. So that's a, that's a wrap for us today. Bye for now and have a great day. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverruins.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shireko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, sharing the journeys of those affected by sudden and great loss and what they did to heal, rebuild, and where they are now.